You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are listening to Locked On Browns, your host, Jeff Lloyd, Sports Illustrated's Pete Smith. Uh, we said last night and intended last night to get down to a mailbag episode. Um, I think anybody familiar with Locked On Browns, familiar when Pete joins me, uh, sometimes we can just open up a can and it takes us where we go. Uh, that obviously happened last night. Uh, so we snuck in our conference, uh, our championship game uh, predictions for this weekend uh, after a long, long back and forth, free agent-wise, draft-wise, current roster construction, salary cap, so if you haven't checked that out, please do, um, as we dropped that <clears throat> last night about 9 Eastern. Uh, today we'll get to this mailbag, um, but there is there, there is something I want to start with. Um, so, But before we do that, make sure you're following at Jeff L underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Pete, we really haven't gotten the opportunity with this because we have just been so busy Browns-wise. And as anybody who's big fans of the show know, we – Love to talk the whole league, um, but with the Browns being as good as they were this year and playing into January, winning playoff games, there was business to be done. Pete, what in the hell is going on with the Houston Texans? Um, so my theory on this is that, um, I mean, outside of the fact that Houston Texans are are are, are a bad organization. Uh, I think the Eagles are a good example of this, uh, where football is sort of adopting a baseball mindset. Um, and what you've seen in baseball the last several years is you've uh, had GMs that are way more empowered to the point where they want to actually, you know, write the lineup card and basically have the, the manager go out there and just, you know, put the pitchers in at the right time. You mean like right. benching a left tackle against the New England Patriots in a road game? But never mind. That's another story for another day. Right. So, like, there's there's this – it feels like, anyway, particularly with the Eagles, that they wanted somebody that would be controllable. Um, so they hire Sirianni, uh, and who a lot of people are basically calling, like, you know, uh, you know diet what they just had in uh in what's his face uh peterson basically diet doug peterson because D doug peterson got fed up with being told what he wanted to do and he was you know to the point where he had won a super bowl and wasn't gonna do that anymore and that feels like at least part of this is that you know howie roseman who's a really good gm may be stepping too far here but it really feels like they want to basically go, here's your lineup, go call plays, you know, or basically either that or trying to sell it as like, you don't have to do anything as far as like real, real decision-making. You just go out there and call plays like that type of thing. I don't know if that's what's going on with Houston. It feels like Easter Bay is, has some issues. Uh, it just seems like a, 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 um, a, del a delightful human being, but uh, it, it really feels like in some respects that Nick Casario in, in, in this thought process may want less of a head coach that's going to sort of tell him, you know, what he wants to do. That it's, 
that it's going to be, uh, you know, that the, the head coach would would be more inclined, you know, would be listening to his thoughts on lineup and stuff like that. Um, we'll see, but that could certainly explain why, you know, this whole concept of guys are skipping steps and all this and getting hired way too early uh, may be happening. Uh, so, you know, specifically – um, we're obviously getting a lot of conversation about Eric Bieniemy, which I don't think is the champion of this cause or, or the the proper champion of this cause. But he may not want that setup. Uh, you know, he, he says he wants a head coaching job, but he didn't want the Colorado job. I don't know why uh, why he didn't take that up NFL or bust type deal. But um, you know, some of these guys may just not be interested in this type of setup. Meanwhile, you've got other places the exact opposite. Uh, Ron Rivera is who the GM, new GM Martin Mayhew will report to. So Ron Rivera is technically on top in that scenario. I expect Urban Meyer is going to be on top of whatever decision structure they have in, in yep. Jacksonville. So it seems like at least in these two cases, maybe the Eagles certainly, but maybe the Houston Texans are in the same deal where they are you know, trying to manage this thing. And, and, you know, it sounds like maybe Matt Eberflus is going to be the guy ultimately, uh, you know, obviously he was a guy that was a candidate for the Browns uh, when they went with, with Freddie. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, there's certainly a problem in terms of the hiring process, but we really pick and choose when it's a problem. Uh, there's certainly a, a big issue with the number of black head coaches in the league. However, uh, the NFL has also broken ground on hiring the first Muslim coach. Uh, and we just saw the first Indian coach hired as a, as a coordinator. And we have more black GMs now than we've had. None of this is to say the situation is not to also not to mention the women, uh, you know, starting to show up on staffs, but go ahead. Right. So, I mean, it's not to say that the situation is a good spot because it's not, and it needs to continue to evolve. But like in the case of the Lions, that, you know, unless the owner basically said, we're doing this and, and you're not going to stop us, that was a black GM that hired Dan Campbell or in, in Holmes. So, you know, it, Fontenot is a, is a black uh, GM who is hired, what they get? Arthur Smith. So there's certainly, there's certainly issues that need to be worked out. It's not where it needs, it's just not where it needs to be. What I don't, think is necessarily fair is picking apart each and every hiring like the Sirianni thing like I you know I don't know I don't know him from Adam I had never heard his name that I'm aware of even though I know he uh, was went from the Eagles to the Colts with uh with Frank Reich to be his offense coordinator was he was was with the Super Bowl team uh and all that but I had never heard his name but it was like immediately it wasn't even considering him because nobody knew anything about it. It was, it was immediately jumping the other thing. So I'm not going to tell anyone it's, it's not an issue, but I, I do think it's a little unfair to be like, you, you hired this guy and he, he's, he's, it's, it's a disaster because you didn't hire so-and-so because we already did this last year with Kevin Stefanski. Uh-huh. Um, and it wasn't for a blackhead coach in this case. It was either, it was not hiring Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels. and, uh, when they didn't do that, all these people said, oh, this is a disaster. You know, Chris Sims called, called Cleveland a dumpster fire for hiring Kevin Stefanski. Uh, and then that led to the hiring of Andrew Barry, 
uh, and they've done another for other things with the Browns to try to empower people. Obviously, Joe Woods, uh, and they 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 hired uh, quality control coaches that are specifically uh, black on the offensive side of the ball because that is one of the biggest issues we have right now in the NFL is that we don't have enough uh, coordinators that are black. Almost every defensive, you know, every every black coordinator is defensive. Uh, Byron Leftwich is and, and uh, Eric Bieniemy are, are, I think, it. I think those are the only two. So it's tough. Like I, I get where the passion's at. I get why it's a problem, but it's also unfair because you do have a situation like Kevin Stefanski, who has basically said you suck, and now he's the coach of the year, at least by the Pro Football Writers Association, eleven and five record, uh, and, and won a road playoff game. So. It's tough. I mean, it's it, but it, it feels to me a little unfair to Sirianni, even if you believe that he's sort of like, you know, he's sort of like a puppet for the GM uh, in that scenario. It's still unfair to be like immediately crushing the dude because I, I don't know. We don't know enough. Uh, that doesn't again doesn't mean it's not a bad situation. It just means we don't know enough information other than to say in general this is not the league is not in a good enough place with when it comes to the, these hires. Well, and this is the thing for Sirianni and, and you just say it at this, you know, he goes into the situation, you know, he has no idea what their intentions are at the quarterback position. Um, so, I mean, for you're going into this, you know, am I coming in with, you know, trying to put an offense in place for, somebody with the skill set of Jalen Hurts. Am I coming into this situation for Carson Wentz? Which is crazy, but, I mean, look, I mean, you can't blame Sirianni. You know, they offer the contract. You sit down, you look at the numbers. Um, you know, I'm assuming you have a family to feed, and you say, well, this is the best decision for me and my family. And I just – and the, the other thing is, for the Texans, you look at this situation – and you say, okay, Deshaun Watson, okay, he's a pretty good quarterback. Um, J.J. Watt's getting older. Um, I have nothing draft-wise. But what do you do? How do you – I mean, you're either going to probably not be a good team for a year, maybe two, wasting away Deshaun Watson – or do you say, do we really even consider this with the amount of teams, you know, desert dry at the quarterback position? Do we say goodbye to, to Deshaun and, you know, maybe, you know, at least we can start building a future around here? Um, so the thing with the Houston Texans are they're going to suck with Deshaun Watson. Um, it's they're not quite- going to be better than they were this year. Yeah, I think they- the- that thing's in the third round. I mean, where are the difference makers going to come from? Yeah. So, I mean, they're going to suck. Uh, so they have the unique perspective of being able to say to Sean Watson, if they want to, uh, you can, you can, you can decide you don't want to play for us. You can hold out, you can do whatever you want, but we're not going to deal with you because like it or not, we're going to be pretty bad this year. So you can decide to, to sit out and miss a year of uh, it's, it's not, it's one of the lower spots in this contract, but still it's like $14 million. Uh, and he's not made a, a, you know, he hasn't made like a mint yet. So you can basically say, call him on his bluff and say, look, you can sit out, but we don't have to deal with you. Or you can obviously say, uh, we are an awful, awful team. 
and you know we need to reset anyway and as much as we'd like to do it with Deshaun and, and try to work it out with Deshaun if he's simply not interested you have the ability to uh negotiate and get a massive amount of draft picks or whatever uh, and they can send a thank you card to Pete Carroll and John Schneider with the Seattle Seahawks because you just saw uh, a safety go for two first-round picks. So you're not going to take less than that. You're not going to take that. You're going to take far more than that. So you can dictate price, and in part, in part, you can basically say, again, to the other teams who may want to stay to try to lowball you is, we'll just sit here, and he can sit here and not do anything, but we're not going to give him up for anything less than – exactly what we want so uh you know Deshaun's situation is is bad that organization is a mess Uh, you know beyond uh the issues just with the owner and his proclivities that go back to his father uh Bud Adams or whatever whoever Bob McNair uh there are I think Bob McNair at one point uh had had some you know, any number of times of unfortunate comments that uh, along those lines. So it's really up to Deshaun what he wants to do, but the Texans sort of have to decide how they want to play it. And they can, they'll, they'll try everything they can to sort of make the situation work out. But if they can't, then they can make a decision. Uh, I mean, I, I think the dolphins offer you a really, really nice way out. Um, if you want to go that route, because you're going to be able to get a quarterback. Now, obviously, um, you don't want to be in the position of we'll take whoever's left at three, uh, much like bronze fans wanted Saquon Barkley and whoever was left at four. Nevertheless, you know, if you really like all three quarterbacks, you can potentially have that option plus whatever assets. It really sort of allows you to reset from the Bill O'Brien era and decide if you really want to start over and go, go nuts from that end. So, there's no good answer. It's just a series of bad answers that all, all start with the fact that Houston has been a mess of an organization for the past half dozen years. Yeah. I mean, and for me, I, I you know, I, 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 if I'm Houston, you know, I, I'm thinking probably about putting him on the market just due to the fact that I, I don't see this team being good the way that's currently constructed anytime soon. Um, and at least, you know, the return you can get from moving on, from Deshaun Watson at least offers you know, a window of hope. I, I just, I just, the whole situation down there is just a stinking mess. And again, now that we're to off season mode, we can start covering the league, you know, a little bit more, uh, you know, in the way we've always done. Uh, but yeah, the Houston Texans, I have no idea how it's going to work out. Um, but the way it's currently lined up, I, I don't see this <laughs> being a good franchise any time soon. Uh, we're going to continue on here. Like I said, we've got listener questions uh, rolling through a bonus locked on Browns. Um, look, everybody's kind of locked at home anyway, so might as well sit down, talk some ball, give everybody some things to listen about, whether or not Pete believes that really happens. Different story for another time, though. Zabo Apparel. Um, we've talked about Zabo Apparel for a couple of years now. Um, Brian and his family, uh, their store in Vermilia, uh, Vermilion, uh, the you know access uh, accessibility to uh, zaboapparel.com, Zabo Apparel on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, the company continues to grow, put out fantastic products. 
And, you know, one of the reasons I was happy to start, you know, you know working with him and, and you know, pr promoting his fantastic work was he was just a really, really good guy. Um, folks I had spoken to, whether it was, you know, Joe and his wife, uh, Joe Schobert and his wife, you know, they, you know, just said had rave reviews. Um, and then you see about, you know, everything done for uh, Tom Seibert. Um, and Brian was influential into a lot of that. And it's just the type of guy he is. He, he's just a really, really good guy. Um, he loves the city. He loves his franchise. And to see them just continue to grow and grow and seeing Browns fans, you know, understand and appreciate Brian and his family's product. Um, it's just been a pleasure. So if you are looking for Browns gear, um, you might want to go get that Stefanski Ski Club uh, T-shirt as, you know, we're looking at, you know, the nominee, I mean, I'm sorry, the winning of head coach of the year for coach Kevin Stefanski from several outlets. And congratulations again, of course, to coach on that. But ZaboApparel.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Zabo Apparel. Check it out. Get some gear. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. As we start to dig in to some of these listener questions, and we got a nice combo from last night. Um, and some that were sent over here today. And I just, you know, look, some of this stuff was covered last night. So don't think I'm dismissing you. Um, just please understand that, you know, somehow it still got into uh, the the show last night, the way it was currently constructed. Um, there was the one I was looking for. Uh, uh, guys, the linebacker questions. I'm sorry, guys, but we did address that last night. That is not... Not something that's going to happen. And sorry to Daniel Jeremiah and his mock draft today. I just do not see it. Drew Forbes. This is actually a good question. Pete, the way the Browns offensive line is currently constructed, counting Drew Forbes hopefully into the mix for the 2021 NFL season, are you really looking for anything? Uh, I'm assuming if you are, it's probably not going to be that high of a priority. No. Uh, in fact, I think the Browns, I think the Browns are going to have to trade somebody. Um, by my count right now, the Browns will have 11 NFL offensive linemen in camp um, of the five starters. And then yeah. they will have Alex Taylor, uh, who I think will make the team next year. They'll have uh, Chris Hubbard. We'll see where his, his knee is at. He's supposedly going to be ready to go. Uh, Kendall Lamb is a free agent. He's not going to be back. Uh, then you run into uh, Michael Dunn. Uh, you run into Drew Forbes. Nick uh, Harris. You, you run into Nick Harris. Uh, and then you have – who am I missing? Um, Whoever the guy was that played left tackle Sunday night. No, nah, I don't – you know, I don't expect uh, – I don't expect Blake, Blake Hans to be in that mix. Uh, but you have just – a pile of guys um, and you're not going to be able to keep them all. Uh, you're just not. And I think there, you know, Javon Patterson's going to be there. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, I, you know, I don't know if he's a huge factor, but they did, you know, he's on the reserve list uh, along with Alex Taylor. So uh, you, you don't expect to keep that many. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns actually deal one of those backup guys. I'm not suggesting they, they deal a starter, I mean, it's not impossible, but still very unlikely. I think they will uh, end up having to deal one of those lower guys. I mean, the thing that 
drives me nuts is the Browns had to cut Eli Anku, who was then traded by Dallas for a seventh round pick. So they're <laughs> going to have somebody who's worth something to trade uh, later on. I, I really like Drew Forbes, uh, but it also worked out really well in his opt out as frustrating as that was in that he's now two years behind uh, he's uh, two years behind uh, white teller. So he's on two more years of rookie deal. Uh, and, you know, I, I think he would have had a chance to beat teller out for that job. Uh, we'll see if that's true uh, when they get back to camp and he he's back in and all that, but the Browns lost three guards to opt out. So they'll still have, you know, they'll have Colby Gossett coming back if they want him back. Oh, and they'll right, have Malcolm right. Pridgen coming back if he's coming, if they want him back. So there's a lot of guys. Um, and, you know, we'll see. Michael Dunn, maybe it was a a flash in the pan, otherworldly performance, but he was here all year and they seem to like him. Again, I, I think they like Alex Taylor. I think with another year, he's going to be, uh, you know, that backup swing guy behind Hubbard. Which is funny because uh, we talked about him from his senior bowl. I, st- I still remember those conversations, but go ahead. And then Nick Harris, obviously, at center. They're, they're not going to get rid of him. So you just have a lot of, of players uh, in that. So, uh, no, I, I, I don't anticipate them bringing in anything other than maybe an undrafted free agent or somebody to look at. Uh, but they, they, they are full. Uh, literally when it comes to the offensive line, which, you know, is great. Like, I, I mean, it's really is an embarrassment of riches in terms of you might have to trade one because you just have so many. I mean, it's, I mean, to use the term trade, it almost seems, you know, like disingenuous because it's kind of just like, look, kid, you deserve a better opportunity than we can afford you. Um, and maybe we had higher thoughts of you than a, a seventh, a sixth, whatever. Um, but, you know, young man, go play ball, go get an opportunity somewhere. From Sam Panics, hello, Sam. Hypothetically, if the team was to move on from OBJ, Landry, and Hodge, how exactly, Pete, are you filling the other three of the four wide receiver spots? Well, I mean, it starts with signing Richard Higgins. Um, I think he's going to cost about $5 million a year. Um, so they're probably going to sign him for like two years or something. Um, and then... The, the 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 tricky part of this whole thing is like everybody's worried about finding a number one receiver or whatever. And I get it, uh, but there's absolutely no reason that Austin Hooper can't be your number one receiver. And uh, you know, they don't need to have necessarily a, a true number one right out of the gate. They need guys who can sort of fill roles and let Baker Mayfield figure it out. So um, you're going to draft somebody. If, if they were to get rid of both of them, they're going to draft somebody early in those top, three to four picks, probably closer to the second round. It's not impossible. They take a guy in the first round. Uh, you know, even Daniel Jeremiah's thing didn't have Rashad Bateman going in the first round at all, uh, which is typically how these things go as receivers tend to get pushed down. Uh, you're going to have one of those guys, uh, whether you want to sign a guy like Rashad Perryman, whether you want to go a little bit more uh, expensive on that front and, and go up higher. Uh, Alan Lazard, perhaps. Um, it's going to be a free agent. I, you know, I, I think Godwin's and he blocks like a dog. Yeah, I think which has think, appeal here. Yeah, I think Godwin's going to end up back in Tampa. Uh, but uh, there there are options in that front, and then you can draft another guy later. Um, there there are no such thing as a bad receiver class. They're all great. Um, and more and more, we keep seeing guys step in and play immediately. Obviously, Donovan Peoples Jones will still be here. Uh, he's a guy who can step up. Uh, 
I, you know, I don't necessarily want him starting. I don't know if he's ready for that, but I think they can sort of allow um, some of those things to sort themselves out at cheaper cost and, and diverting money away from that position. Because for me, I'm looking to extend David Njoku. Um, that's just where I'm at. I don't know where the team's at. I think Andrew Barry's kind of in that department, though. Uh, I have no issue with keeping both Hooper and Njoku uh, on long-term deals and just going cheaper receivers and letting sort of size in the middle create opportunities for smaller, faster guys on the outside uh, and working, working that way. Well, and the thing with the Hooper-Njoku pairing is it's no longer a tell when David Njoku's on the field um, and the effort he has put in to his blocking. So, I mean, you can go out there and, you know, you can go 12 personnel, you can go 22 personnel, and it doesn't necessarily mean you're running the ball. And this is, you know, due to the work that David Njoku has put in um, and put in the effort to become, at least for this season, the Browns' best blocking tight end in the 20 season. One more before we uh, you take a quick break. Come on back with a couple more. Oh, these are always fun. All-time draft crush that turned out to be a complete bust, Pete. Um, let's see. Aaron well, Curry. About Aaron okay. Curry stands out to me. Um, he looked like he was going to be a complete lock, and then he got to the league and got money and got lazy. Who freely admits, uh, he was unbelievable in college. At Wake, at Wake Forest, he was incredible. Yeah, um, that's the one that stands out to me. That was like, this kid's. Uh, there's no way this kid doesn't work. Um, yeah. So I'd go with Aaron Curry. Um, I'll just go. You know. It's it. He wasn't a high pick. Um, Paul Perkins, running back from UCLA, absolutely loved his game. I thought he was going to be you know, one of these guys that was an absolute monster in the running game and in the receiving game, and flamed out quite quickly um, for the New York Giants. And I, be honest with you, I can't even tell you the last time I even heard his name, as opposed to you know, uh, you know, every now and then, you know, people coming back to say, hey. Paul Perkins. Um, yeah, well, that's one for me. Uh, we're going to get to a little bit more here um, on, you know, recording on a Friday night, a little something here for the weekend. Um, just, you know, trying to give you guys the best content we can, of course, you know, as we're shifting gears here, uh, Browns wise, and, you know, we're on to the next season. But the problem is, is why well, not the problem. <laughs> the joyful part is, is we're on to trying to take this team even further into the playoffs for the 2021 regular season. If you are not subscribed to Locked On Browns on iTunes or Spotify, now is the perfect time to go ahead and rectify that. So make sure you're subscribed. Leave those five-star ratings. Leave those written reviews. I know for all of you, uh, you're going to find this hard to believe, but fantastic review coming through today and actually appreciating Mr. Pete Smith. But again, uh, iTunes, Spotify, make sure you get up in there and make sure you are subscribed to the pod. A couple more here to go as we close out on Locked On Browns here before we get you guys to the weekend. Um, from David AF Retiree, SD Franks, 1964. Uh, I always appreciate uh, my interactions with David. Uh, David is similar to me as in 
enjoying of the grilling and the smoking of meats. David, I want pictures of that pork tomorrow. Your opinion on the order of importance, Pete, of improving this roster? Huh. So, I mean, it's you, it's one A, one B, defensive end corner. Um, and then when you get after that, it's, cover them or get after the quarterback more. <laughs> and then after that, it's corner again and wide and wide receiver. Um, those are the those are the three big areas: uh, defensive end, uh, corner, wide receiver that they have to improve upon uh, going into this season. Uh, they. Are, there are certainly other areas that, that they would like, you know, that would, we'd like to see better um, defensive tackle, you know, hopefully gets better um, with just getting past COVID and being healthy and all those things. And then safety is sort of a wild card, depending on what Carl Joseph does. But yeah, those are the big three. You have to uh, get somebody opposite miles Garrett. You have to get another guy across from Denzel Ward and you have to get somebody who can, uh, be a vertical threat in this offense because they just don't have enough of that uh, on the field consistently. Um, I, 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 we've talked about this. And you, when you talk about those three areas, um, is improving the juice, it's improving the athleticism uh, with defensive end, within the secondary, within the cornerback position, 100%. Um, and finding a way to take this offense from playing in a 20-yard box to start having defenses think about a 35 to 50 yard box because you have a quarterback who can do it, but he certainly needs the arsenal to make it happen. Clayton Maddox, uh, Ngakwe, Bud Dupree, Jadavian Clowney, Pete, these aren't names we are looking at. Nah, I mean, maybe, maybe Yannick Ngakwe, but maybe the slimmest of babies, but of, you know, the, the, those types of pass rushers, that's that's not the guy here. Uh, no, I think Bud Dupree's a sucker play. Um, I think he's going to break especially your heart. coming off the knee. He, you know, if you go through and you, you know his stats look great. Um, he had three basically all pros on that defense and next to him, <laughs> um, in in Tuit Hayward and and TJ Watt, and he got so many unblocked plays. Um, you just never if you just watch him you're you're almost never impressed and i and i still i still believe alex highsmith's a better player right now than bud dupree before the knee um yannick and what i mean he got traded to the ravens he didn't do anything like this was like a, a you know when this he didn't happened do anything like, in minnesota <laughs> yeah it was like this was like a big deal like yannick and to the ravens like oh man they got two great pass rushers with him and judon neither one of them was very good um, so that, that, that's, that's tough. And Jadevian Clowney, um, injuries have mounted with him. His attitude issues continue to be a thing. Um, the juice is just never worth the squeeze with him. And, and I, I still don't understand the Browns infatuation with him as opposed to Libby Vern. I get the idea that, look, there, there's, it's very tantalizing to, to see when he is at his best and when he wants to be good. Uh, and the fact that you can line them up up and down the line is very intriguing. But just, uh, you know, he, he can absolutely take over a game, and he, and he almost never does it. I mean, you have that already. His name's Sheldon Richardson. I don't know why you want two of those uh, and one that's supposed to be far better than he is. I mean, Olivier Verne was better uh, than Jadavian Clowney was this year. Uh, so, you know, I, I think – 
if you get a Jadevian Clowney, you're going to be disappointed with it. And he's a, a, yeah, a he's a good. Well, and he's probably going to end up back with them. That's the thing is he's probably going to go, you know, be with them again. But I, you know, in terms of what the Browns need, I, you know, he again, he certainly has some things that make him intriguing. Um, but I, I, you know, if you're just saying it's first and ten and go get after the quarterback, he's just doesn't do enough for me uh, in that respect. I think he has to be more of a sub package guy in terms of when he's going to impact the quarterback. He can win at the point of attack. He can do all these things, but just doesn't finish enough of these plays. And he just, again, it just doesn't do enough for me. There there are people who love him. I get it. Fine. Uh, If you could give me a healthy Olivier Vernon, I would take him all day. Yeah, and we're to the point now where with Jadavian and Clowney, I mean, you know, the the bloom is off the rose. Um, most likely he's going to continue his trend of signing a one-year contract with somebody. Tennessee seems to make the most sense, even though that they probably, you know, had buyer's remorse of the deal and the money that they gave him. Um, he's certainly not going to get that same contract again this year. Um, it's And it's just the way it, it works. I mean, the NFL, I mean, 100% a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business with that we're going to put a bow on this one um wanted to get this in because we had a bunch of questions last night obviously some of them ended up getting addressed on the show although we never physically got to them some more today um and i just you know appreciate you guys and again look i mean it's covid i mean what what else y'all doing on a friday night um trying to stay home trying to stay safe and keeping your fingers crossed wearing your damn mask when you're outside so we can all get back to the lives that we miss and love and doing things uh, so just glad for you all to be a part of this. Pete Smith, uh, Browns Digest, uh, sportsillustrated.com. Pete and his team just continue to crush it. Um, I think every one of us here has you know, seen a nice spike in our work due to the fact that you know, the Browns are now you know, what we all have been envisioning for years now. We all believe in the sustainability and the stability of this you know, product going further. Thanks to Andrew Barry. Thanks to Coach Stefanski. Thanks to Paul DePodesta. Obviously, all these players that are just, you know, have taken this corner and grown into and now have had a taste of you know, what they want, what should be, what should be expected of every franchise going into any NFL season. We've been here. We've tasted it. We want more. No doubt about it. So make sure you're following Browns Digest on Twitter. Make sure you're checking out everything through sportsillustrated.com at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Make sure you're following my buddy over there. Um, and yes, he's older than you all believe. I think Pete's acknowledgement on his own age by picking on mine is the fact that maybe that 4-0 is peaking around the corner come this fall. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Show itself at Locked On Browns, follow back account. DMs are open over there. Again, iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, rate, review. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.